Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. There's none like unto our God. He's the ancient of days. The rock of ages. The first and the last. He's my God and your God. He's my father and your father. The lover of my soul. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. The Lord is good. I am Patience Hagen, and I want to say a big welcome to you all to River City. This is a place of family, home, and love. Hallelujah. We're going to read Psalm 9 from verse 9. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble, and those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Sing praises to the Lord, who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell among the people his deeds. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughters of Zion, I may rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk in the pits that they made, in the net that they had hid. Their own foot has been caught. The Lord has made himself known. He has executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the work of their own hands. The wicked shall return to, to shell. All the nations that forget God, for the needy shall not always be forgotten. And the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Hallelujah. He's awesome. And he's in this place. He's awesome and he's here. He wants to reveal himself to us today. What a mighty God we serve. And he loves us like this. Father God, we thank you so much for your presence. What can we possibly do without you? In you, we live and move and have our being. 
You are our source of strength, life, joy. We are awake because you woke us up. Today be glorified amongst us. Touch everybody's heart. Touch our families. Touch us in the point of our needs, oh God. And even as we worship, Jesus, build your throne. Even as we worship, build your throne. And as your word comes, your word comes, let it come with power and strengthen us. May your name be glorified. Jesus' name, amen. And Father, I just pray corporately um, with everyone, even in this space together now, that we would just see your fruit. We pray for fruit in each of these, God, that you would use our body to tangibly love this city, tangibly love kids, that people would come home to you, the reframed version of what it is to be a Jesus follower, what it is to be truly loved, what it is to have belonging, what it is to be at peace. That people who are, I just pray for the, the business space, God, that it truly is something that sets the tone for how to love people through finance and the idea of building money would be reclaimed and that people find respite. And for the middle and high schoolers, God, I just speak identity, that they step into Campbell High School and Campbell Middle School and all of the different schools around here, that they would have an identity that comes from you, not from this world, God, not from this world, that they would be people in the schools that love people selflessly, that not fight with anger with the Christian gospel or the, the message of Jesus, but that they would love people selflessly. And for our city kids, God, we just speak that they would have foundations that they need as they grow, that they wouldn't be pressured or formulaic or it wouldn't become just ritualistic, but that they would have things planted in their hearts that, that grow so large 60, 90, even 100-fold, God, over the, the years of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, we just ask you to kind of help us transition into this word that is how we base our lives around the gospel. This is our in route into how do we know how to live and have our being in this world. And it's that way because it's you. This word is you. And if you weren't a part of this word, we wouldn't have such a value to it. But because of you... We know that this points to you and helps form us into you. So we ask your spirit to lead us as we even read this. And this has been coming up so much in our conversations. But we all have a lens of scripture. All of us approach it and have a view of it already. The Holy Spirit is who shows us how to see what we need to see in each passage. So we present even our lenses to you, Father, so that we can see what you want us to see. Help us to not approach the word today and tell it what to tell us. Thank you that it is active and alive and it's moving. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're still in Mark. We're going to be in Mark for a few more weeks. We're in chapter 15. It's been about 50 weeks. So this has been forever. And I've actually really loved doing it this way. I think, I don't know that there's a better way to do it than this. Um, it makes, this doing it like this makes you talk about the things that most preachers would just avoid the hard passages, right? You have to hit the stuff when you go through an entire book. Um, last week, Jordan talked about Peter and how he, his identity was called into question when they found out, isn't this a guy that was with Jesus? And he had to face some things and he denied it, continuing his Peter legacy of just not doing anything well. And I would just remind you, I think we would all be like Peter. There's not a disciple in this scenario who's doing it right, right? There's just people who are about to learn a lot. And I think that's important with the message of the gospel and as Christians to have the attitude that there really is no one who is like Jesus without Jesus. There really isn't anyone that we can look to if he's not a part. 
So today I'm going to read to you Mark chapter 15. This passage is the first and most painful and most hard. It is not pretty. It talks about things. I'm going to explain some things in this that are the kind of things that make you have agony and have possibly some deep sadness if you really allow yourself to look at it. It really shows the picture of what Jesus is actually doing, and it slows it down so it's not just Jesus on the cross, he's raised. This kind of starts to walk you through the process of what did it actually look like when this began to happen to him. So Mark chapter 15, verses 1 through 15. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered them, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in, in, in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually would do for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. But a lot louder than that and a lot more frantically, they were kind of worked up at this point. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified couple of really interesting things right off the bat that you need to know. This is a Jewish community trying to bring charges against Jesus, and now they have to take him to a Roman government. The previous charges are that he is blaspheming God, which the Romans could care less about. So they have to meet at night, break their laws to do that, and then meet together again in the morning to formalize. If, this is, if, if us telling the Roman officials that he blasphemed God is not going to work, what do we need to tell them? What is it that will work? How can we do this? So a couple things important about that. One, they break their own law to make sure that Jesus is punished. And two, they end up landing on accusing him of being a political revolutionary which is interesting is because it's exactly what they've been asking him to be for 14 chapters. They've been asking him from the beginning, come and be a political, we need you to overthrow the, we need you to be this Jesus that comes on the horse, ready to kill. And now that he won't do that, and they're certain of it, they understand this Jesus is not going to do this for us. He's not going to overthrow this kingdom. He's not going to kill anyone. They've decided that they will kind of rework the charges to present to Pilate. This guy's trying to basically kill everybody. He's trying to kill you. He's not, right? The interesting kind of, um, whatever that word is that, yes, whoever said that. I'm, now I'm confused because you spoke during a service, and now I'm just going to leave. And, and Jason isn't even here, so you're the new Jason. <laughs> Amazing. 
So, so that's really interesting to me. But as we talk about the suffering that's about to happen, I don't want you to miss what's going to happen. I could preach this message really clearly to American Christians because I feel like I have been on a soapbox for so long about the Christian that only thinks that we should get all the best stuff. And whenever it comes to suffering, that's not for us. And whenever it comes to lessons even learned, and that's important to me to learn as a Christian, but you cannot miss in this passage the reason why he suffers. If you miss the reason why he suffers here, you're missing the whole thing. So we don't want to do that. And so I want you to place your hand over your heart before we start. Jesus, you are trying to clearly show us something here. You are trying to form our hearts by what's being spoken through Mark to this community, these things that happen to you. You are trying to show us something. I ask that you, Jesus, would help us to personalize these things in such a way that we leave challenged to see what you wanted us to see, that we're so thirsty and hungry for you that we would, if we had to, go be crucified. That can only happen if we are so deeply in love, so unselflessly or un- unselfishly in love. Help that to start to form here. In Jesus' name. So the Jewish system is failing. They know this. They bring up charges. They bring them before Pilate. And I'm going to read you Luke 23, 1 through 5 to kind of share with you what they decide to land on. Then the whole community of people, them arose and brought them before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is a king. Pilate doesn't care anything about the first two. He cares a lot about the third one, that he would be called a king. And so that's what his question becomes to Jesus. When he comes before Jesus, Jesus doesn't look like a king. And it's kind of like a a little bit of a making fun, but also really kind of wants to know. Pilate in this passage to me is the most interesting character by far. He's a picture of someone who is legitimately interested in hearing from Jesus and gives space to be impacted by it, while the other people have just decided. So Pilate, you can see throughout this as he travels through this passage, begins to change his heart and his mind begins to see things differently because he's open to what is happening. But he's interested here with Jesus that he would be called king. And the reason is, there's a couple reasons. One, it's his job to make sure he keeps peace. So this, if this is a king, that would be threatening. And number two, he's already done a poor job in leadership. There's already been at least two insurrections. There's already been two things where they've tried to overthrow the government, and they're trying to figure out if this guy is going to do a good job. So there's really two reasons behind it. So he asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus' answer to him is, it's as you say. And here's what he's saying. I feel like I have to qualify everything in this sermon. Here's what he's saying. I am the king of the Jews, but I'm not the king of the Jews that I'm being accused of. I am the king of the Jews, but I'm not the one, and I think you know it too, and Pilate knows it. Pilate gets it, and that's why he starts to change the way he, he presents this to these people. So Pilate's all ears. And as soon as Pilate's at a a spot where he can be impacted, the Jews step up again. And they start to accuse even more. No, 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 no. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. He's at a spot where he can listen. They get louder and louder, and the crowd takes over. And then he looks at Jesus, and Jesus isn't talking. And he is amazed that Jesus would not talk. It says in one of the Gospels that he is, it's even more than just amazed. He's like, he's overly amazed that Jesus stays silent, right? I, this recently, my kid's favorite song has become the song with Justin Timberlake 
that Julia played at our house and the country singer. They like to do everything together now. And it came on in our car, and it was talking about, you guys know the song? Sometimes the greatest way to say something. Know that one? Nobody else knows this? You're all fired, every one of you. You're out of here. So the song goes, sometimes the greatest way to say something is to say nothing at all. I can't. How's it go, Julie? Sing a little bit of it. Yes, so that's basically the song. That's what I just sang. That's, it's good. <laughs> There's an ending that's good, too. So, I was, so you know how when you're listening to Spotify and it like gives backdrop on the song? So Justin Timberlake and this guy are sitting in a room trying to write this song, and he's like, I really want to, the way this song was written is, I really want to say something without being too focused on the rhythm. And they said that like the country guy was like, whoa, 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 get your pad. Get your pad right now. Like this is an artist moment. Get his pads out in the song. Sometimes the greatest way to say something is to say nothing. It was really catchy. And that's just been ringing. It's like I read this passage, and I was actually listening to the song when I was reading the passage, and it spoke of this, and I was like, oh, Jesus is in Justin Timberlake. <laughs> and now you guys can go home. Amen? So there's a couple times when silence really says a lot, right? Like silence speaks sometimes louder than words. I know this to be true when one of my children disobeys, I can just literally, like, if I, if I don't want to argue, I just, you've all done it if you're a parent. You're like, like the extended, like, look. And the kid's like, what are you, why are you? There's the silence of when you've harmed your spouse in a way that they kind of want to just kind of capitalize on that moment, and so they won't even talk to you. I've known many of you in this room to do that to your spouses. I've done that to my spouse. There's the silence of mourning. The silence of mourning speaks when you're around someone who's lost something. They can't speak. You don't even expect them to, right? You wouldn't even think of asking them to. You just want to be with them while they're silent. Sometimes silence, sometimes silence speaks so strong because you could defend yourself and alleviate the possible outcome but because of what you believe so strongly, you allow the story to play out. That's what's happening here. And Pilate is amazed as he's watching Jesus, who is being accused for things that Pilate is certain as well, Jesus did not do, but Jesus will not defend himself. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to stop what's about to happen. Why is Pilate amazed at the silence? Because Jesus could at any moment say, I never said any of that junk. I don't want to hurt any of you. I definitely don't want to hurt any of you. He could have stopped it at any moment. His silence was saying, I'm going to do this. And Pilate could not even comprehend it. Pilate started to remember in another gospel, it talks about how his wife has a dream and gets message to him. I had a dream about the man that you're working with today. Do not mess with this innocent man. It will not end good. Pilate starts to think, oh my gosh, like this is, this is different. And then he's, Starts talking about Barabbas, which is the next part of it, which is, if you guys have not studied Barabbas, to me this is, the, this is one of the most amazing passages in Scripture because of what Barabbas represents. So Pilate is confused. He doesn't want this person to be crucified. He thinks he comes up with an idea, so he presents to this mob who is accustomed to someone being let go that is guilty. He thinks, okay, let me think of the worst guy we have here. Let me pull him out. This is Barabbas, right? You just read about Barabbas. He's a murderer. He is a part of the insurrection. He carried, it said that they all carried knives underneath their whatever 
kind of garment they wore for just being ready to kill. Like, that's, that's them. And then I have Jesus, who is timid, appearingly, does not even defend himself. So let's present these two to the crowd and see what happens. Do you want me to kill the king of the Jews? Or do you want me to, to, or do you want me to let Barabbas go, or Jesus go? And they end up choosing to let Barabbas go. But there's some interesting things about him. If you'll pull up Matthew 27, 16, Bill... In this passage, we learn this. Is there any other version you have back there? New King James, King James? In one of the versions, it talks about that this prisoner was called Jesus Barabbas. His name is actually, historically, Jesus Barabbas. And Barabbas actually is the Hebrew phrasing for son of the father. So this person's name is literally Jesus, son of of the Father in Hebrew. And he is being presented next to Jesus, Son of the Father. And this, this, is, this is real. This is not me making this up. And I think what's happening here, if you'll pull up John 1.14 as well. I think you have that one. I gave that one to you, right, Bill? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as the one, the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this is what I take this to mean. People are being presented with a choice. You have the real Jesus, Son of the one and only Father. And then you have the insurrectionist Jesus, Son of the Father. And I'm not going to jump too much into the nationalistic message right now. But this person, Jesus, Son of the Father, represents everything they wanted. He represents the one who would stand up against leadership, even use violence if necessary. This person will not use violence. This person has a kingdom of love, and so they're presented. Do you want me to kill the king of the Jews or Barabbas? They choose Barabbas. They choose the fake over the real, and he can't understand it. What crime has he committed? It's not fair. This is where it gets really interesting. Back in the garden... Of Gethsemane in, in chapter 14, Jesus is having a struggle with the Father. And his disciples are falling asleep, and he's wrestling, and he's saying things like, if you can take this from me, take it from me. He does that three times. He prays a similar, almost liturgically. And by the end, it says that Jesus rises. He goes to his disciples and says, it's time to go. This is what he is settling. He is settling. It's as if God is looking at him and saying, this is your cup. Either you can drink it or all of them can drink it. Jesus, either you can drink this cup or all of them can drink it. And it's as if he made the decision in Gethsemane, I will drink this cup for all of them. And so when Barabbas comes on the scene, it's just a play on war. It's just a play to show us this person is guilty, is an insurrectionist, did it all and is bragging about it, Jesus is not guilty. Jesus is going to pay the penalty here. This is a picture of what's going to happen in one chapter. This is him saying to us, you are all Barabbas. Everyone is Barabbas. There is no avoiding that. He has to pay for you. This has to be it. This is the great, this is that whole great exchange, right? Him for us. And so... Philippians 2, 1 through 11, let me read you this, and then I'm going to kind of share the end of this. 
This is a part of Jesus that to me has made me want to be a Christian longer than any other part. It's to me the one that shows, like if the, if the book, if this book was just filled with things that talks about his kingship and how he wrote on the clouds and how it's, everything is great and all that, but it didn't mention that he was willing to come and die and selflessly give everything for everyone else, this would not be the same Jesus. This is the part of him that we need to lock into. And not just because you need to become this for the people around you, which you do. If there's one or two or three messages I will stand on a box for the rest of my life, it's that you are not more important than the people around you. You are not. And if you think that you are or you appear to be or you treat the way that you make your decisions in life, you are not living the Christian message. I'm not telling you that this is a gospel of you're supposed to be suffering and in pain and sad. That is not what I'm saying. But I'm saying if those things are accompanied with you doing something for the other, that is the gospel. This is what makes Jesus beautiful. This is what makes him different from the other gods, right? This is what makes him magnificent. They built buildings for other gods. Athena, all these other gods. For Jesus, they put him on a cross. He dies. Humble, meek. He come, he's born in a manger. All of these things, these things, they just fly right by us, especially in evangelism right now, evangelistic Christianity. But Jesus is screaming to us, watch how I do this. Don't miss how I do this. I have to do this for you. And built upon that becomes the way that we live this gospel. In Philippians 2, 1 through so if there any, is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection of sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. Please listen to this. Please listen to this. Please stop and listen to this. The same love that we're talking about right now, the kind of love that dies for someone who doesn't get the things that they want in that moment, this is the love that's being talked about. It's you not getting what you want for someone else. This is the kind of love. That is a, this is the introduction of agape love. This is it, that he would give every part of himself for every one of us. Complete my joy by being of the same mind as that, having the same love, being in full accord in one, in one mind. And here's where it gets beautiful. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was from a form of God, in the form of God, he did not count himself as equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Don't just, don't just believe all of the prayers about you that you are the head and not the tail without understanding what it means to serve the way that Jesus serves. Without understanding what it means when you say yes, when you're baptized, when you sit at the table, it's this place of saying, now I understand the kind of king you are, Jesus. You're the kind of king who does what's necessary for others to benefit. You're the kind of king who is mocked. And this is what happens to him. If you'll pull up this next, passage, this, this next part of Mark. 
So, and this is the really interesting thing about Pilate. Pilate is literally impacted by this in such a way that he has rethought everything. So he gets creative and he's like, listen, I'm going to just try and curveball it. I'm going to try and scourge him. And maybe that will mean they won't want to kill him. Scourging is terrible. I know that you've all sat through Passion of the Christ clips in some kind of an Easter service or read it before, but it is awful. So the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. Again, a company of soldiers is massive. It's not 10 guys. It's like 600. And then they, t- they put a purple robe on him, and then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out at him, Hail, King of Jews, right? Like, they're speaking prophetically in jest. He is the King of the Jews. He is the King. But they're making fun of him. Again and again, they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And they had mocked him. They took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they let him out to crucify him. Scourging is this. Like you've, who's seen Passion of the Christ? I took my wife to see that on our night we got engaged. That was not a good idea. Basically, they get a whip with bone in it. This, I just want to share this. Because in relation to, do I feel like we're supposed to like crave the whip with bone in it as Christians? No. And most of us will probably not have to sit through a scourging, correct? But he did that for me and you. He did that for me and you. And what that looked like before death on the cross was someone beating someone so senselessly that in the process of scourging, many people lost both of their eyes because it would gash their eyes out. Their skin was literally hanging off their body in strips And a lot of people died just in that process. Pilate was like, maybe I'll just do that. (laughs) Just that little thing. And maybe they won't kill him. And any human at that point is like, you probably just need to go and finish this. Because this is awful. You cannot miss that this was what was done for you and me. You cannot lighten it. You cannot put a purple bow on it and make a manger scene out of it. This sacrifice was made for me and you, and it gets worse and worse, and then it gets so much better. And he shows us in his silence what it is to be the king of the Jews, the king of us, that you will put everyone else before yourself. He shows us what his idea of kingship is. And so this is what I want to do today. We're still, we've got great time. I feel like I'm supposed to pray a prayer If you're in a spot like Pilate was, where you literally want to know, Jesus, what is this about? What is this about? Maybe you're like me, and I will honestly tell you, I am fed up with a lot of Christian leadership and religion, even so much so to a fault. But I really want to know, Jesus, what is all this? What what, what about this is the real thing? Be like Pilate in such a way that you would give him space to share with you. And I just believe that anyone who would seek the Father will find the Father. And so right now, in the space with your eyes closed or or in a spot that will be a place of reflection, what is it, Father, that you are showing us in this process about keeping silent, 
and allowing these things to happen, you allowed all of this to happen. What is it about this process that you're asking us to sink our teeth into and personalize it for yourself? How is this impacting me? Then I just want to pray. This is so evangelistic, and I'm, I'm so happy that it is. In whatever season of life you've decided Jesus is not able to pay, is not able to pay for you, whatever thing that you think you struggle through, whatever black mark on your record, whether it's your family or a decision you made there or if it's a thing you actually did or a thing that you're doing now, what is it that you are guilty of that needs to be covered in his blood? What legitimately has happening or happened that needs to be, you need to give over for him to sacrifice for? And I just asked you, Jesus, to search our hearts in such a way that confession becomes beautiful again in your church. We need this daily. We need you daily. We need to wake up daily and be covered in the blood daily and to choose the spirit over the flesh daily. If the worship team would come up, whoever's leading, and if prayer teams could go ahead and come up. I love in this passage, if you kind of piece it all together through Luke and Matthew and Mark, how there's pain involved. In one of the passages, I decided not to share this. This is the occurrence that causes Judas to bring his money back to the people and say, I have made a mistake I, have, I should not have done this. He saw what happened. I should not have done this. He goes and he takes his own life. Like this just covered. And through this process, through the Jesus remains right in the middle. Jesus is remaining right in the middle. Jesus is remaining. He's staying. He's going to stay until all the way until the end. He's going to stay. And then he's going to even be here in a different way. And I just want to encourage you today. Jesus is remaining right now for you. Jesus is remaining if you've sold him for a business plan, or if you've given up what you know to be an intimate relationship with him for something that is just not really him. It's just an appearance of him. It's Jesus, son of the father, but not Jesus, son of the only father. And maybe some of you have chosen this version of Jesus that, that thinks America is heaven and we need to change our world into it. Maybe some of you see our enemies and want them to be punished, not realizing you're an enemy too. Maybe some of us are cheering for Barabbas to be freed and we have no idea that we are saying no to the kingdom of love, the kingdom that would die for an enemy. There's nothing more simple than he dies for his enemies. He doesn't kill them. And because of that, we receive him. Really chew on that. Which Jesus do you follow? Would you be upset at quiet Jesus? Speak up, Jesus. Come on. Speak up for yourself. You know that you're not doing Speak up. Do something. Would you be pumped for Barabbas, Jesus? Jesus, show us clearly the version of you that's the real one, the version that lasts. 
the version whose kingdom is already existing everywhere. We just have to listen and be in tune with it. The version that would have stopped all of the soldiers in their tracks if they would have just stopped to listen. The version that would have kept Pilate strong if he would have blocked out the crowd. So as we close, I'm just going to give you guys the opportunity. If you would like to receive prayer, we would love to pray with you. If by any chance you do not know if you serve the real Jesus and would like to, I would like to pray with you for that. If you would really like the kingdom of love to invade your life in such a way where you become a radical follower and exude his love to people who don't deserve it. The kind of love that will make you turn the other cheek when someone smacks you. The kind of love that would allow you to die for someone else. The kind of love that would tell you to sell everything and follow. The kind of love that is, does not make sense kind of love that looks at you right now and says, I'm dying for you now. This is for you and I have to do this for you. You don't have to die. I'm dying for you. Receive that gift. So Father, we just ask you to just permeate this space. Thank you for every good gift. Thank you for suffering for us, God. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. This is not a light matter. We could spend all week talking about it. Thank you for it, God. Thank you. We don't take it lightly. It wasn't easy for you. It wasn't just because you're God, you're going to do it. It was hard. It was not easy. You bore the weight of all of us, all of our sin, and you took our place. And now we get to say yes to you and all that's connected. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we just say thank you, and we, we ask that you would just allow us to carry your presence into this week, into our families, into our jobs, and we thank you again for everything. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.